we are joined by Josh Neighbors from the podcast Locked on Big 12. Josh, good morning. How are you? I'm well, gentlemen. How are you guys? Doing good. And before we talk sports, we, we got to know there is a knockdown drag out going on in this studio about Star Wars. Are you a yay Star Wars or a nay Star Wars guy? Is this because the Obi-Wan trailer just dropped? Is this is this what everybody's talking about? It's May the May 4th. The 4th. May May the 4th. With you. Oh, that's right. Oh, so actually, I am a big Star Wars guy. Actually, I have the Obi-Wan series trailer pulled up on my uh, my computer screen right now. I was actually just watching it before you guys. All right, goodbye, Josh. Awesome. We'll talk to you next week. See there you later. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Here's your answer. <laughs> All right. Let's, oh, I'm losing this battle. Uh, let's uh, let's dive into this thing. I, I, I saw a, a story where Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith proposed that the 10 FBS conferences uh, operate uh, off <laughs> – hello. The uh, 10 FBS conferences could operate under the, the college football playoff umbrella instead of the NCAA. And he said it's just a thought. Well, no, it's not. I mean, he put that out there for a reason. What are your thoughts? Yeah, just a thought, right? You know, just yeah. just an idea. That's no. I think that's where it's that's where it's trending. I mean, the idea that's going to be ten, though that that seems a little far fetched to me. Um, I would love it if it was ten. I think we'd all like it, you know, to have all the conferences involved, and um, you know, I. I like, I'm not sure I'd really be down with just all the Power Five playing the Power Five all the time, um, and maybe that's just me being, old, I guess you know, like old school in, in a sense. But um, I, I mean, if they did ten and broke away, like what's the difference between what they do now? One FCS game a year or whatever, and you could make that up in the spring. And there's been a lot of ideas about how you know you could maintain your uh, South Louisiana's versus LSU's, your Nichols versus LSU's kind of stuff on on that scale you're you know texas versus texas states whichever way you want to go uh you know and, and just uh, or texas versus Stephen f austin i guess would be a better com- comparable thing to that um so yeah i mean i think the 10 conferences that's what i would like to see do i i think there's more reality where it's probably five or six and i mean there's some conversations about it being two or three but i think you were going to end up seeing five or six Probably, if you're talking football, I would imagine it's going to be in the 30-some to 60-some range of teams that we would see, quote-unquote, break away. Josh, who do you think put the most hay in the barn with spring football out of the Big 12? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, Baylor. Baylor, because Baylor knows who their quarterback is going to be. Baylor made a decision, and Dave Aranda – Proved once again to everybody why he is Dave Aranda, and he sticks to his word. And I thought it was a really um, honest, thoughtful, smart thing to do when he let Gary Bohannon go. And, uh, you know, so I think the fact that Baylor knows who the starting quarterback is, the team knows who they're going to rally around. Gary's able to go somewhere and hopefully get another opportunity. And just they're able to make that decision and know who the quarterback is. And now they're set up for a full a summer football session where we're not dilly-dallying around with a QB1, QB2, splitting reps. No, we know who the guy is. So I would say that's, that's great because that team is in a transitional period, um, you know, on offense at least in my opinion, just because they're, they're switching quarterbacks and they're losing guys. They lost, you know, Tyquan Thornton to the world, Abram Smith of the world, the Treston Ebner's of the world. 
I think it's good for them. They know who their guy is. So I would say that would, you know, obviously it is a transition. That kind of makes things a bit easier. Josh, were you surprised to see no Big 12 players selected in the first round of the NFL draft? Not surprised. Um, you know, I think there are a couple guys who I would deem as first-round talents. I think Jalen Petrie was a first-round talent. I think Brees Hall is a first-round talent. Um, I just think for, you know, like uh, some of the safeties drafted did different stuff in Jalen Petrie's case. I, I just think he's a good all-around player just because he can play safety. He can play nickel for you, so he gives you some flexibility. And he's just a good player. Like, if we, like we all watched him, he's just a good football player. I would say for Brees Hall, if you talk about talent and talent levels, um, that guy is a first-round talent for sure. And he's going to make your team just immediately better, right? Like we just we saw him. Like he is a well-rounded running back who is a very consistent running back. I mean, you don't get a touchdown streak like Brees Hall's if you're not consistent, and that means a being on the field and B producing on the field, which he did both of at an incredibly consistent rate. That's a first round talent, but the problem is we don't value running backs anymore, which kind of gets us to next year. And, um, you know, I, I think there are a couple guys. I think Apuica uh, uh, over at Baylor is definitely going to be a guy who's going to get first round looks next year. Bijan Robinson is the most talented running back I can remember watching in, in recent memory. And so I think he's a first round talent. Now, whether he gets, you know, a first, you know, first round pick, we'll see. Running backs, we know it's pretty fickle. So this year, I was not surprised. Although I, I do think there were guys who fit the bill of first round talents, in my opinion. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what happens next year. I know we're bouncing around, but I want to take you back to the uh, college football playoff thing. Uh, if the CFP was the governing body, how would that change television? How would that change the playoff, or would it? Well, it's interesting. So, you know, it, it would change the playoff for sure. It would change television because if you're, the, if you're the college football playoff, wouldn't you want the teams that are playing in your playoff to be on your TV year-round? And so what I'm talking about there is the fact that, you know, Fox is involved. Um, you know, Fox is involved with the Big 12 and the Big 10 and some Pac-12, but uh, the college ball playoff right now is on ESPN. So with ESPN, the television partner, primary one, at least right now, really want a bunch of teams that aren't playing on their, on their channel to be involved in, you know, their, their end of the year tournament, like that stuff that has to get sorted out. And I think it's college, the college ball playoffs best bet. If they were to go with a diversified model, like the NFL does, for where the games take place. You know, we've had this conversation before, but live sports is such a solid commodity when it comes to the changing landscape of media. Live sports are always in demand. And so I think, you know, we talked about the conferences, like the Big 12 maybe going to an Amazon or a Hulu or a, a Netflix or whatever, Apple TV Plus. Um, you know, I think the I think the college football playoffs should do the same too. It's just a matter of trying to make sure that all of your teams are under the same umbrellas, if that makes sense. It doesn't have to be one place. It doesn't always have to be ESPN. But I think it would make sense if you're the CFP, you want all the possible teams that could be in your playoffs in the end of the season to be on your television channels during the regular season. Is it alarming to Texas fans that the University of Texas had zero players drafted? Yeah, but this has been a trend for them for a while. 
I'm I'm more of, of the mind that I think it speaks to how that turn the roster that Steve Sarkeesian inherited really just didn't gel with the coaching staff. There were talented players there, but a lot of those guys just you know it just it just didn't really go well. There's the Bo Davis video, and obviously there was the monkey situation, and then were, there was you know uh, there's the story uh, of middle of the year where Steve Sarkeesian was telling you know we have 30 plus new guys next year, and so I just think that roster didn't gel, and now Steve Sarkeesian's been able to kind of acquire talent on his own accord. And so now this group, I think, has a much better chance of cohesion, especially with the quarterback talent they brought in in Quinn Ewers um, on offense. And I think on defense, Pete Kwiatkowski's got his work cut out for him. Um, we'll see what happens on that side of the ball. Uh, I think they've got some guys definitely can be drafted on that side of the ball, but it's going to be a work in progress, at least on defense. But offense, I-, I would be shocked if they don't have somebody next year getting you know drafted pretty highly off that offense. Josh, yesterday, Brett McMurphy put the story out that Houston, UCF, Cincinnati are looking to try to join the Big 12 in 2023. Do you see that happening? And if they do join early, do you see Oklahoma and Texas saying, you know what, we're going to join the SEC early as well? Yeah, it's a big talking point right now. We actually talked about this last night in the episode. It's going to be out later today. But just kind of my, my thoughts on it are this. Um, no, so, number one, you know, that's it's going to happen. Those Those four teams, UCF, Houston, and – uh, Cincinnati, the, the three, I mean, that are in the AAC, because let's be honest, BYU can join whenever they want. They're independent. Um, those three in the AAC, from all the reporting and everything else I've read, from Rothstein to McMurphy to hearing to talking to Andy Staples, like, it just sounds like it's a matter of time, and they just got to hammer out the number. And we saw the numbers last night. Uh, you know, it's, it's you know, going to be a um, you know, number in the 10 to 15 to 20, and, you know, low 20 millions, um, somewhere around there. And, uh, you know, I think that makes sense. Yeah, it brings up, okay, well, Texas and OU stick around. The, the thing for them is that, that dollar figure is a lot higher for them to get out um, than it is, you know, for the AAC teams. Leaving the Big 12, you know, uh, they signed some pretty big television contracts. So they're going to be in the – if those teams leaving together, it, it might end up being around a nine-figure deal to get those two teams out of the league in that – you know, time span that we're discussing. So I would say that, um, you know, I think it's a likely conversation that we're going to have, but the the dollars, it's a lot more than what it is for a UCF, for a Houston, for a Cincinnati. That, that's for darn sure. Hey, we got to have our weekly NIL conversation. Uh, Do it. You're, you're starting to see and you're, and you're hearing coaches and institutions com- kind of complain about the system and in other programs, do you see college athletics sitting down? And I don't know if it's with the NCAA, without the NCAA, whatever the case may be, but trying to figure out a way, I guess, to put the genie back in the bottle and, and really kind of get this thing back in line the way it was designed to be, as opposed to, because to me, it's pay for play now. Yeah, that's the problem is, is you know, the NCAA yesterday, Ross Dellinger had a great article about this about the task force they're going to try to put together really to enforce rules that are already in place. We've known this for a long time. Boosters cannot be involved in the recruiting of players. And really there's been, you know, at this point, like we know that is happening. We've got a situation where uh, John Ruiz company is, are the ones announcing Nigel pack to Miami. Well, 
how does that happen? Because, you know, if he's not there yet and, uh, you know, he's not at the University of Miami, then, then how does he already have a deal good to go? You know, is, is it the second he signs the paper, somebody's calling him and then they're getting the deal done? No, it, it, this stuff's happening. And then how does Colin Cowherd know that it's $3 million are the offers coming in for Jordan Addison at Pitt from USC if he's still a Pitt student? That, that's illegal. That, that 100% is not against the rules. So that's the one thing. Sure, it's happened all the time before, but I think where this, where this is going to make the rich richer is when you have a kid like Jordan Addison who seemed really happy at Pitt, and I'm sure they're taking care of him at Pitt and, and making sure that they do the best they can for a guy who won the Blitnikoff Award. If he is on, on the roster, if he is not having ideas with the portal, and then somebody is coming at him from different schools – and it's being openly talked about while he is still in the school and not in the transfer portal, that's a problem because that's against the rules. Somebody has to step up and enforce those rules. Will you catch it 100% of the time? No. Does it ha- has it happened before? Of course. But we have to actually act like we care or else the schools that are just going to put the most money into it, you know, uh, at any time, all the time, are going to end up pillaging players from other schools, much like we have in college basketball already, you know, with mid-majors uh, getting basically, you know, ransacked every single year and having and being broken down for spare parts, um, you know, like we see in college hoops every single season for Power 5 schools. So I think it's really important that somebody steps up and just tries to enforce the pre-existing rules. It's not like you have to generate a bunch of new rules right now. I actually think the NCAA has a certain set of rules they can enforce that would make this a little better. Um, the problem is, is like you can't blame the kids. It, that's life-changing money at 20 years old. $3 million for a kid who's got one more year left in college, who knows what can happen? That's life-changing money. I don't fault the kid at all for going and chasing it, Jordan Addison, any other kid who chases it. But there's got to be a way that we can make sure that if a kid's on a roster, Pat Narduzzi doesn't have to fend off calls. We even saw Xavier Worthy at Texas. There was, there was a scare this past week, and he was never near the portal. It sounds like he wasn't in the portal. But people were coming and making offers to him and overtures to him, which he should listen to. It's, you know, you should go make as much money as possible. But, like, that stuff can't happen. That, that stuff needs to be – or it can't happen. It just needs to be, uh, you know, uh, the favor needs to be returned or the punishment of some sort enforcing the current rules that are already there. The NCAA, it sounds like they want to do it, but I'm not sure. I don't think we have much confidence in them to actually get the job done. Well, that's where I was going to go. I mean, we're talking about the NCAA, who has little to no credibility right now. Yes, but they do. They, they have little to no credibility. They still do have uh, the ability to punish, right? They still retain the, the – at least as long as they're tied to the, the sport. And, and look, the, the powers that be, the college ball playoff, whoever else might want to break away – but at this moment in time, the NCAA does still have some power, and so they do need to make sure that they enforce that power that is there. It might involve them going to court, which is tough for them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they have to at least try to enforce this right now. At least try to look like you've got some power remaining. Yeah, just ask Scott Frost, right, because he had one right. too many assistant coaches. Exactly. I mean, they're pretty they're, – you know, they'll – they, they like to punish the easy stuff. They like to take the layups is, is what the NCAA likes to do. They can't, they can't punish anybody. They can't take their money away, right? Like, you can't punish the Kansas because you lose that money in the tournament then. Well, I think – I mean, I think you definitely can. I just They like to wait for certain stuff. So like, they like to wait until the tournament's over to go and punish. <laughs> uh, 
But it's weird, though. It's, it's weird, though, right? Because, you know, LSU was in the middle of their season. Leave them alone. NCAA tournament, and then they, they go and hand out the punishment to Will Wade. But it sounds like the NCAA's got all the information they need on Bill Self, and they saw a team that is a blue blood that could probably win the national championship, and it sounds like they have, you know, they're, just, they're sitting on their thumbs the information they have right now and knowing they could punish. So I, I don't really – it makes no sense. That's why they've lost their credibility. So I, with the Matthew Meyer situation, he enters the transfer portal, but he's also still looking at the, the NBA draft and trying to get in. Is this a situation where you're trying to ne- see if you can negotiate an NIL, NIL deal to give you equal or similar compensation of what you're going to get in the G League? Or, or what do you make of that? So I I think the NBA process, or th- this process in particular, is going to be a little bit different than the, than the football one just because so Oshai, Oshai Baji is a great example of a guy who did the draft process, got, got really positive feedback on like what he needed to fix, and now has turned himself into what we think is probably going to be a lottery pick. So I think there is an element of like going through the draft process to actually understand what parts of your game the NBA scouts will tell you they have, they have to fix. Also, part of it is to finding a fit that'll allow you fix those things. And also, you know, so maybe that's where you go to school, maybe that's somewhere else. Like, I think Kevin McCullough actually at Texas Tech is a good example of a guy who, you know, going to the draft process. Like if I was him, I, I, I would have thought about maybe going to a school like in Kansas because my, my defense is excellent. I need to work on my offense, right? So maybe going somewhere else does make sense for you. But also at the same time, yeah, you're playing hoops, and if you can be compensated for that, might as well pursue that avenue as well. So I think the NBA is a bit different. Uh, Matt Meyer needs to go back to college for one more year. It just it, it didn't happen for him this year. And I know NBA scouts might say, oh, well, maybe college game is, you know, maybe he's a better NBA player than in college. But I think there's stuff he can work on and refine one more year in college, make some cash while he does it, and then be a better NBA prospect. Great stuff, Josh. Thanks. Uh, what, what's coming up next on the podcast? We're going to discuss the very issue we just talked about, NIL, and we're going to talk about should OU and Texas leave the conference early. That's coming up on the show. Find it wherever you guys get your podcast, YouTube as well. Find us on Twitter at LOBig12. Josh, as always, it's a pleasure. Thanks. Yep, talk to you guys soon. Talk to you soon. Josh Neighbors from the uh, podcast Locked on Big 12.